Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. We, we all, all share, share a love for Maine's environment. Every day, decisions are made that could impact our woods, waters, wildlife, and climate. Join us as we share stories of Mainers working to build healthier communities and protect what makes Maine so special. In this episode of Frontline Voices, we're going to talk about a true Maine legend that you may never have heard about before. Cornelia Flyrod Crosby was a legendary fly fisherwoman and a columnist who promoted Maine's outdoors in the 1800s. This week, a statue of Flyrod Crosby was unveiled in Augusta at the headquarters of the Maine Department of Inland Fisheries and Wildlife as part of an ongoing effort to educate more people about her legacy. Well, I'm your host, Colin Durant, and my guests today are here to give us a little history lesson. I'm really excited about it. Uh, Maine Master Guide Roger Lambert and Brent West, the Executive Director of the High Peaks Alliance, are here to tell us a little bit more about what makes Flyrod such an inspiring figure and why she remains so relevant today. Welcome to the podcast, Brent and Roger. Hi, Hi, glad to be here. Great. Um, so, Roger, I'd like to start with you in just giving us a sense of who Cornelia Flyrod Crosby was. Well, I got a real kind of personal connection with her. I heard about her from the get-go as a kid. Um, our, our family grave plot in the cemetery is close to hers. So my dad hauled me over there as a kid and, and pointed it out to me. My mom uh, was from the same town, went to the same schools as uh, Flyrod early on and actually knew her. She was a lot, my mom was a lot younger, but she knew her as an elderly lady. Flyrod's heart was kind of broken because she couldn't get around very well in her advanced years, but uh, they used to see her sitting on the porch there. And I'm sure in Flyrod's head, there were going, uh, plenty of trips and excursions and uh, going through her head. And so she was probably, I hope she was comfortable with that. But uh, anyhow, she, uh, I've thought about her all my life, of course, becoming a guide myself. She she wrote the book on guiding in Maine, kind of. She uh, recognized that uh, it would be really beneficial for guides and and sports alike to have a kind of a code of conduct and ethics. And, and Flyrod extrapolated that and decided that she thought that uh, legislation would be important to register Maine guides. And she helped craft the legislation and was rewarded for that. The, and this time, a lot of people, the very first guide license issued in Maine was to fly mm-hmm. rod. And, you know, she, she, uh, she was contemporaries of Annie Oakley and, uh, and uh, fished with Teddy Roosevelt. I mean, she was the real thing. And the thing that kind of fascinates me, because being old school and all, is nowadays they, they seem like they cut and paste, you know, ethnic ethnicities and genders and all this stuff she was except she wasn't she was she was equal up without batting an eye with her male co- colleagues competitors and and uh and uh and friends she she was one of the gang and I, I you know you could just tell you could you can even tell by the body language in the photographs of her during that time as a matter of fact she probably had a leg up on a lot of her guiding colleagues. I mean, there was none of that, none of that lady stuff. She, I'm not that she was, but she, she was a real deal. There wasn't anybody looking for quotas or equity or anything like that. She was, she was a one of the best fishermen going. Uh, she was uh, a contemporary contemporary of Carrie Stevens. I mean, they were developing flies. She was traveling all over uh, the northeastern United States. She, she, she was the 
she was the first promoter of Maine tourism, if you will, or promoting mm. Maine. She worked in conjunction. She was a hired by the uh, Bang on the Rustic Railroad to, and she traveled down to Madison Square Garden and many other venues with uh, full log cabin displays and they trucked fish down and she was the real deal. And if she, she's an inspiration to me as a boy and, I, and, and, and she really is an inspiration to this day. We just heard the other day that Maine has the highest participation rate uh, as far as a women's outdoor organizations in the country. In other words, there's a real effort in Maine that, and there's a group of women that are leading the charge up the hill and are just catching fish and shooting big bucks and trapping and doing hunter gathering stuff. And uh, fly rod just pointed the way. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm curious where, can you tell us where that nickname fly rod came from? I mean, it seems intuitive, but I'd love to just hear it. In your well, I, I can't, I can't verify that, but uh, <laughs> she could, she could, she could pitch a fly and they, people just stood back and uh, she, she could land trout. She got a reputation. I mean, what are you going to call her? You know, you're not going to call her Cornelia. <laughs> so, right. so they said, hell, let's call her fly rod. And it, it stuck. And they knew her for 40 years, I would argue, any place in New England, New York, right straight up through New England and in in, uh, in in circles of people that, that like to, to travel to Maine or that were interested in the outdoors, that's all you needed to say. They knew exactly who you were talking about. As a result of a lot of the articles that she wrote, she mm -hmm. uh, was hired on early on by the Phillips Phonograph. Phillips was quite a town back in that time. As a matter of fact, uh, they had a population of 1,700 people. They have about 800 people now. It was arguably as important as Farmington as far as a county seat and a, and a, and a railroad hub. So it was a big town and it had two newspapers and she wrote for one. And later on, there was a magazine put out by the Bangon Aroostook Railroad called In the Main Woods. And if you were interested in tourism, you could send 10 cents to the Bangon Aroostook Railroad and get this really nifty book. I collect them, uh, color photographs and beautiful photographs and yeah. articles about all the sporting camps and maps on where the railroad stations were. It was an advertising document, but uh, she wrote articles for that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she, I mean, so what on, I, two, on two fronts, she was the man or she was right. the person, call her anything you want. To. Yeah. But yeah. Viral. So not all, two different things she did, two parallel courses, but uh, she's something special. Right. An amazing angler of like renown, as you said, and then, um, you know, Maine's biggest booster, too, with the column and, uh, and with the writing and, and, and like you said, traveling down. And I just love that story of like they, they literally like rebuilt a log cabin. Right. And you said brought in fish. Um, she harvested the last legal caribou in Maine. Yeah. You know, she was after it. She was she was primarily a fisherman, but she, you know, she was an outdoors person to the nines. Yeah. And so I'm curious um, if you have sort of one piece of history about fly rod uh, that you think everyone should know or that you think might surprise us. Well, I just think it's very notable that she uh, she converted to Catholicism. She she was injured. Um, she fell off. A, 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 a She was a big woman. She's six foot tall in her stocking feet, which was pretty. That was large for a man in those days. 
And she had an accident, I believe it was in Lewiston. She fell off a platform in a trail station and was, you know, seriously injured her legs mm -hmm. and her back. And she was a lot of Catholic community there in the Lewiston area. And she got into a Catholic hospital and was treated there. And uh, she was so impressed by the nurses and the situation that she studied Catholicism and converted to Catholicism. And then, of course, Rangeley was her like second home because it was where she applied her craft. Uh, she did a fundraiser because she knew the sports that could write checks at the time. And there are sports that can write checks. She knew who they were and gathered up the money and raised the money to create the Our Lady of the Lakes Church there in Aquasic, which is just mm. north of Rangeley, stands yeah. to this day. And yeah. uh, so I, I think that on, that not only pointed out, um, it, we, all, we know her about her outdoor career and her interests, but many of us don't know about her. She was a philanthropist and a, mm -hmm. and a spiritual woman and, and got things done on those, on the, on the social level and the community level, if you will. So it's quite yeah. a gal. Yeah. A thousand percent committed to Maine in, in such a great way. Well, she, she wrote the book. <laughs> she did. Yes. Well, thanks Roger. And Brent, I wanted to bring you in now. And I just wanted to start, I I'd love for you to just give us a sense of the mission of your organization, the high peaks Alliance, which I understand Roger helped found. So could you just give people um, a little bit of background on, on your organization and your mission? Yeah, thank you. Um, I grew up right in New Portland and I went away, um, as they say, after I went to college for wildlife and I, I worked all over the country, but I lived in Maryland for a while and I started realizing what we have in Maine is uh, exceedingly rare and special in the Eastern United States. Um, you know, it's the last frontier, so to speak, in um, east of the Mississippi, last large piece of woods. You could roam for days. So I benefited from that heritage growing up. And really, um, I got invited to a meeting from Roger and Lloyd Griscom, and these are the two guys that helped found the organization with some other people. But the idea was that this neck of the woods, we have 10 of the 14 tallest peaks of Maine. We have the headwaters, the Androscoggin River, the Sandy River, Parabasset, the Dead Rivers, you know, just incredibly rich uh, naturally. And there's been a huge changeover in land ownership and jobs and communities. The, the elementary school I used to go to school to is shuttered. Like there's no school there anymore. I'm only 35 years old. That's not a big time span for that much change for communities. And so mm -hmm. that's what strikes me about Flyard Crosby is there's always been this dichotomy. It's hard living up in the mountains, but what is, what's something we can do? What, what's a, a resource we have and our access to our land, the ability to hunt, fish, hike, uh, ski, get out there and enjoy it has always been hugely important to our communities, but also just for people, just like in Flyrod Crosby's time, the cities were polluted, they're overcrowded. You wanted to get out in the woods and the High Peaks region gives people that. So our goal is really just to make sure there's always access and that people from the community, from visitors, from people who own summer homes, have an organization that they can call their own and work on these issues. And so it's about bringing people together, just like Flyrod Crosby, an individual uh, can do a lot. You know, one person can make a big difference. And so we're just a collection of those individuals that care. So that's really one interesting thing. And I did mm -hmm. have um, a theory I'm working on with Flyrod Crosby. 
it's maybe a little far field, but um, she coined the term, term uh, Maine, the nation's playground. And so our logo today is Vacation Land. And so there's one article that writes about the origins of Vacation Land, and they track it back to the 1890s, a publicist from the Maine Central Railway, which was the same time and insane employer of Flyrod Crosby. Hmm. So it's a lot of speculation, but I do think that's partially where our today's slogan came from, you know, a nation's playground. Fascinating. I love that. I like that speculation. Um, uh, well, I, I, I'll tell you, uh, my family are, are some of those visitors that come to the to High Peaks uh, region and to the Rangeley region and really appreciate all the work that you're doing. Um, you know, as Roger mentioned, Fly Ride Crosby is linked closely to the Rangeley Lakes region. Can you just tell us a little bit more about her connection to that region, to that place? Well, I think, you know, speaking more generally, um, the railway gave a lot of access to northern Maine and rural mm. Maine, and there was forestry industry <clears throat> moving logs out of the area, and also this ability, uh, some of the first sporting lodges were logging camps, and so there's this dual use. So one of the stories I heard about Flyrod was, you know, when she was hired to publicize this neck of the woods, they told her not talk about the railway, don't talk about how great the trains are and the experience and the ride, but talk about how great the fishing and adventure is at the end of it. And so by default, you'd want to get on the railway. So, you know, I think Rangeley has these amazing, amazing lakes, has amazing trout fishing. I think the idea of going up in the Maine woods was very accessible back then because you were getting awesome stories about out west and Alaska and salmon fisheries. But at that day and age, you weren't going to get there in your right. vacation time, you know, so people had a lot more time back then. I think there was, uh, you know, a tourist class that was coming up here to experience it. But if you actually realize what it takes to be successful in the woods, it's not an easy gig. Like anyone mm -hmm. who thinks hunting and fishing up here is an easy thing. You're bushwhacking through thick forest. You need someone to take you who knows what they're doing. And, and so I think, um, you know, when you catch the bug of fly fishing, you're not going to quit, you're going to keep mm -hmm. doing it. It's like, and so you have to figure out how do I make this my profession? And so I think that's probably what drove her uh, into it, just her love of the resources. And that that's kind of shows later in her life where she's actually one of the first people to advocate for protection of non-game species like gulls seeing people just using it as sport and wasting, you know, the natural beauty of it. And that's, that's really interesting because game management as a um, field wasn't really official until the 1930s when Aldo Leopold wrote his book on game management. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I have to imagine these thoughts of how to manage a species and make sure we have taken care of things is directly related to her fishing and hunting in the Rangeley region. Yeah. Another example of how she was like way ahead of her time. Um, well, one of the things you've been working on is a 25 mile trail in the Rangeley region that honors fly rod. Um, and like I said, our family visits Rangeley often, and it was actually reading about this trail during one of our trips several years ago that I first learned about fly rod. So tell us about this trail, the impetus for this trail and why you felt it was so important to honor fly rod in this way. 
Yeah, Fly Rod Crosby Trail is a great example of how a group of people can come together to start an organization down a path of, you know, bringing benefit to the community. So it was one of the earliest projects we had. Um, a fellow named Bud Godso kind of thought up the idea because you have Fly Rod Crosby buried and strong, born in Phillips, would travel to Rangeley. And so that neck of the woods, the goal of the trail was really to help residents and visitors take an active interest in preserving, you know, the unique character of the communities and the landscape. So, you know, it's called a multimodal trail because it connects beautiful sections of back roads to ATV multi-use trails to pure hiking trails. And there's a spur to Saddleback Mountain, a spur goes down to the Cascade Brook Trail. Um, there's the ability if you want to paddle across Ranger Lake to Aquasic is the mm -hmm. water version of the trail. So it's a way to you can experience all the ways to enjoy this neck of the woods and it's all volunteer led. And it really was the first of its kind besides the AT for trails in this backcountry landscape. So um, the idea too is with Flyrod, she had such a huge life here and that her was the same goal as what we're trying to do is get people interested to care about this landscape. So Bud's vision uh, has grown. And I think uh, from Phillips to Cascade Gorge and Saddleback is like the hiking portion. Mm -hmm. You can stop at her grave via car uh, in Strong right now. And then, you know, it, it Aquasic was one area she also um, was influential with. Yeah, as Roger said. So um, I wanted to circle back to something I mentioned at the beginning, which was this statue that was unveiled in Augusta this week. Um, you both were there. Um, so I'd love to just learn a little bit about how that came together as another way to honor uh, uh, Fly Rod's legacy. Yeah, there's um, a, a guy who lives over in Rangeley, Robert Cram, who called us up. He had it commissioned. Uh, so he hired Brian Stockman of New Hampshire to carve this life-size, true, um, replica of fly rod so he made it from pictures from the main state museum and descriptions of what she wore and he carved it out of the main state tree a big pine log um and he wanted more people to see it he's uh he's one of these people that doesn't believe art should be locked away in a temperature controlled room you hmm. should have people see it and learn about it and so uh he reached out to us i think because of our fly rod crosby trail and we uh, figured cool. out that why not try to get it into the headquarters of Inland Fisheries and Wildlife where every single Maine guide would go in to test for to become a guide. Um, and they worked well with us. Our board member, Scott Landry, helped us get that placed. Um, and so people go in there to buy hunting and fishing licenses, get information about wildlife, test for their Maine guides, and they can walk by her and see her in true fashion. Um, and I think it was a good way to start reigniting her story because I think mm -hmm. stories are forgotten if they're not told. So that's one of the goals. That's great. Um, and uh, I, I also just wanted to recognize, I realized that you're listening to three men talking about a famous woman. And I just want to acknowledge, talked about a little bit before that Flyrod gained this notoriety at a time when women weren't able to vote. I just think it just makes her accomplishments that all that much more um, amazing. 
Um, so I wanted to wrap up our conversation by asking you both to connect Flyrod, and we've done this a little, but connect Flyrod to the present and to the future of Maine. What, what, from your perspective, makes her legacy so significant to us today? What lessons can we draw from, you know, her love for Maine's outdoors, from her leadership in the outdoors? One of the one of the things that speaks to me is mm. I, I, I'm very active in the guide community here in Maine. Uh, we where we have a 800 member Maine Professional Guides Association, and we try to do it right. You know, we have a code of ethics and 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 like this, and we do some promotion to to uh, promote the guiding community, if you will. And the thing that about about fly rod is that in the and, and I'll step back to be a hunter from a hunter gathering eight nine generation Maine family. This we're we kind of have the feel that we're losing some of this, the connection of people with food, come, where does food come from? What's local food? Um, how do we heat our homes? What are the options we have? Shelter, you know, basics, which we all, my generation, we, we learned because that's how we did, how we made it. But we see that kind of diluted generationally. So as, as guides and as a hunter gathering fam family here in Maine, I recognize that the future of keep holding our, holding our ground, just holding our ground, is with women and youth. Because we old people, old men, men people, you know, you know we're, we're, not, we're not going that way. We're, we're kind of leveling out. But women, we, uh, Maine has an outdoors women program that Flyword would, she'd be an instructor. I mean, they, they have a, a becoming an outdoors woman, they call it. And it's perfect. And we see women go in that program that have never had a fly rod in their hand or never shot a 22 rifle or shot an arrow or paddle a canoe. They come out of there and hang on, baby. They're up the hill they go. And that's the fly rod would be tickled to death to see that effort take place and that direction take place of the outdoor community. And of course, the youth, you know, they're, they're our future in every respect. And we want to make sure whether they choose to be a hunter or a gatherer or anything about that, they ought to know how to kindle a fire. They ought to know how to swim, or they ought to know where food comes from, et cetera, et cetera. So Flyward would be all over that, you know, she would. And it tickles me because, you know, it's a aha moment. And as you have pointed out earlier, she was a, a hundred years ahead of her time, mm. you know, plain and simple. So I'm a happy yeah. man to see it go that way. Yeah. Yeah, and my, one of my take-homes is thinking about the amount of time she, unstructured time she spent in the woods of Maine. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that we really um, are protecting for the whole Northeast. There's 60 million people within a 12-hour drive of this region of Maine. And mm -hmm. so what does that offer in today's day and age where you're going into the metaverse, you're going further and further into the digital world. We're here, it's a great tool. It's all this efficiency we're gaining, uh, but what do you wanna spend your off time doing? Do you want the ability for your kids and your family to have a place that was within driving distance mm -hmm. um, that's accessible, that has good wildlife populations, that has the ability to have some freedom? Um, you know, I think all those things are important and I think that's the double-edged sword because if you move up here, it's uh, we want to see younger families move up here, take a chance, invest, become entrepreneurial. But it's about a value of natural heritage and liking uh, less is more. You know, liking mm -hmm. the great outdoors, wanting to come up and rough it, cut your own 
way in the world up in the high peaks, whether it's bagging all 10 peaks, whether it's moose hunting, whether it's going to fish, you know, the rapid river, or the dead river or something like that, you know, you're going to put yourself out there and it's, it's about the challenge of it. And it's about just reconnecting to what's simplest and what's just out in the nature. You know, you're not, you know, leave your phone at home. You'll renew your whole soul and your brain and you'll be ready to go back at it uh, nine to five on Monday. Mm. Well, what a big, big oh. fiddleheads, big berries, you know, <laughs> get, 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 get down on your knees there. And, and well, and, and also, you know, be willing to stand up for what you guys, what, what you think is, is important for the future, but also realize you're working in a community. No one wants to work with someone who's just militant or unreasonable. You know, we want to build a community up here, um, that's collaborative and built around what's best for all of us. And, uh, you know, that's probably going to be done through a lot of conversations and disagreements. And that's what our organization is all about is, you know, getting to what we can agree on. Cause most people aren't that very far off. They, they agree to a lot of core concepts. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, if we hear each other out, we're really not that far away from each other. Well, I totally agree. And that's just a great, great way to end, I think, this episode and this conversation. And Brent and Roger, I just want to thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with us. Um, like I said, I've been fascinated by Fly Rod since I first learned about her. Thanks to thanks to the trail guys. But because um, she just, like you said, embodies that this connection to Maine's outdoors that so many of us have. And I, I was hoping and I am hoping that this podcast is a chance for more people to learn about Fly Rod. Uh, and, and hopefully that inspires you as our listeners to learn more about our legacy. And as Brent and Roger were saying, just think about how, you know, how, how, how we explore the outdoors and, and the, you know, those common values we share, like you were just talking about, um, and most, of course, of the main, most of the main libraries have the book. So if you yeah. stimulate and, and fire up some people as a result of this podcast, it's a, it's a great read. Yeah, that's such book. a great yeah. suggestion, Roger. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't please encourage you to visit the Range of the Lakes region and the High Peaks region and just check out the trail yourself. Check out what, I mean, what that region has to offer. Um, and finally, since we talk so much about fishing, I just, I also wanted to note that this weekend, February 18th and 19th is one of two free fishing weekends the state of Maine holds. That's when any person can fish without a license. Um, the other weekend is June 3rd and 4th. Um, and we've talked, uh, we talked a lot about fly rod, obviously, and hunting and angling. Um, I, I would say that, you know, this, this podcast, the topic was inspired by an article in the Portland Press Herald that Deirdre Fleming wrote about the statue unveiling. She had another great um, article just last week about a kind of a contemporary of fly rod, Christy Holmes, who started uh, this amazing community of Maine women hunters. So I also encourage people to check out that story um, about, about um, the work that Christy's doing in the community that she's building. Um, so Roger and Brent, thanks again for joining us. Um, and a special thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. As always, if you like what you heard, please share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with your neighbors, uh, give us a review, hopefully a good review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Those reviews help spread the word to more people. 
Uh, and thanks again. Thank you for listening to Maine Environment, Frontline Voices. Since 1959, NRCM has been tapping into the power of Maine people, science, and the law to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. To learn more about our work protecting Maine's environment, visit nrcm.org or follow us on social media at NRCM Environment.